Hey guys, super excited for this week's episode. We are talking nothing but NFL Draft. I cannot wait to get into it. The picks I like, the picks I hated, just everything. This is going to be a good one. You're not going to want to miss it. Let's drop the beat and let's go ahead and get started. Hey, hey, and welcome back. Welcome back. This is yet another episode of the Mind of Mike J podcast, and I am just now getting to recap. It is honestly perfect timing because the draft is just now ending. We're just getting through it to where the point where we can kind of sit and talk and analyze all of these picks, and I'm going to try to do my best to not make this last too long, but I really want to touch on, make sure I, I touch on every single team and say at least something about each one, but there's just so many drafts, there's so many rounds, there's so many players, there's so many moving parts, it's really hard to go through and talk about everything without having it last like three hours, because I could do that, but that's not the point. I want to just go ahead and get right to it. With a few just overall picks that I really like. I mean, first of all, how about that first round? That was the wackiest first round in an NFL draft I've seen in a while. I mean, there was just stuff. All kinds of people moving up and making trades and guys going where you didn't think they would go. Which just goes to show you all the mock drafts and all the stuff beforehand. You can't get too caught up in that dang on stuff. Because... I mean, I don't think the draft came out how anywhere close to what anyone predict, predicted. So, um, I mean, it's it's nice to project and to kind of think and wonder. But more of the story, nobody really knows until draft night. You don't know what these Dangon teams are thinking. And because there's so many multiple positions of need that every team has, if one player goes in a certain spot where it wasn't expected to, it completely changes the trajectory of the entire draft every time it happens. So, as a result, you end up with what we saw on Thursday in the first round. Um, But like I said, I'm going to go right into it uh, with a few picks that I really, really like. Number one, uh, Jamal Adams at number six to the New York Jets, I thought was an absolute steal. And that's the second time that's happened recently. Because I remember when they got Leonard Williams a few years ago. One of the best defenders or best players, period. One of the top talents in the entire draft. And he falls all the way to number six? That was just crazy to me. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore at 11. Got to talk about that one, too. Great pick. The Saints were a huge beneficiary of... Way too many quarterbacks getting picked up or way too many people trying to move up and take QBs because the top cornerback in the draft in a day and age where everyone kind of needs corners because our league is so pass-heavy, I think it's very imperative that you have a corner. So to be able to say that you got the best one in the draft, which I think the Saints did at 11 where they got it, was awesome. Another pick that I love, 
Deshaun Watson at number 12. I'm sorry, that that I loved that one. When you when you consider the Texans are in a very unique situation in that they have almost everything that they need but a QB. They have solid running back, solid O-line, decent receivers, a very good defense. That that pit, that was a very Watson, that's a very Dak Prescottish situation that you have going on there. I can I can really see the Houston Texans making a huge jump. I mean, I personally thought Watson was the best QB in the draft. Trubisky's my boy from UNC and all, but Watson's a winner. I mean, the guy just go he ripped apart an Alabama defense two years in a row. An Alabama defense that sent the majority of their guys to the NFL draft. So I would like to think it's a pretty good indicator of how Watson is going to hold up against an NFL defense. Ripped them to shreds twice on national television. Two years in a row. Guy's a gamer. And, I mean, he doesn't have... The good thing, the other thing I like is Watson's not like this generational talent as a passer. But does he have to be? You got DeAndre Hopkins as one of your top wide receivers. You got a solid offensive line, a good defense that's going to generate opportunities for you. I just really think that was a perfect match made in heaven type fit. And then last one and probably my favorite pick of in the entire draft, Jonathan Allen at number 16 to the Washington Redskins. I thought that was just an absolute highway robbery, grand larceny pick. Apparently, I was trying to figure out what happened. Apparently, the dude has bad shoulders or something like that, and that scared off a lot of people. But, and maybe that's going to be more of a problem than it's being made out to be once he gets to the pros. But in my opinion, it, it was abs- at number 16, it's absolutely worth the risk. Great pickup by Washington. Um, also just a few to get out of the first round, just another few picks I want to throw out there. I love Dalvin Cook to the Vikings in round two and Sidney Jones to the Eagles in the second round. Cook's perfect fit. Peterson's gone. You get your, basically you just replace them with your, the younger, newer, fresher guy in Dalvin Cook. So I thought it was perfect fit. I honestly... I honestly just really like that one. Sidney Jones, I understand, is injured and might not even play this year, apparently. But I see that as kind of like a Jalen Smith type pick that the Cowboys had last year, where you just take him, stash him away, and hope that he comes back as good as advertised. Because if he does, that's going to be one that they're going to, the Eagles are going to be happy that they took for a long time. So I really like that one. And then the third round, and that's as far as I'm going to go, Larry, oh, Jesus, how do you say this dude's name? Larry Ogunjobi, I think that's how you say it, to the Browns in the third round. Honestly, just because he went to Charlotte and UNCC just started playing football last week, so I thought that was great. And then James Conner to the Steelers, just because Conner, great story. I know he's not going to start or anything. But I just love hearing that guy's story about how he 
came I, coming back from can- having cancer and you know being in a situation where you might not ever play again and now getting drafted by the Steelers that's just that was just a really good, feel good story for me um oh boy now we got to move to the picks that I hated which no surprises I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there and get it out the way Mitchell Trubisky number 2 that was a to to say a head scratcher is putting it extremely nicely. I don't understand what the need was there to give up three picks to move up one spot. I guess I mean I understand you wanted to make sure that you got him, but my understanding. The, the 49ers were going to draft Solomon Thomas anyway. So there was really. So you would have got Trubisky without having to trade. The Bears still would have got Trubisky if they liked him that much. But. So, so they gave up all that money to. they uh, Excuse me. They gave up all those picks to move up to get a guy that they were probably going to land regardless. And. I. Oh, man. I just don't. I'm not a fan of QBs going that high in general. I'm just not. It just, it seems, it just always, doesn't always, but it just seems like a situation historically that's set up for failure. And I'll elaborate more on that in a second. I got to get to these other ones. John Ross at nine, I thought was kind of a reach. I understand Cincinnati probably would have preferred Mike Williams or Corey Davis, and they were already off the board. But that's what I felt like. It was like, well, we know we need a wide. To me, it felt like we know we need a wide out. The two we wanted are gone, so let's just get this other guy that we may not have really wanted and just to say we got a wide receiver. I mean, Ross, I mean, I understand. I really think the only reason he was getting consideration that high is just because of the 40 time. And that's nothing to sneeze at. But, I mean, the guy's got, guy's got injury concerns. Um, I just, I don't know if you had to necessarily get him at number nine. I, I just feel like there was a few other much more talented guys you could have got. And I have to explain this as well. I'm a big fan of best player available over need. So when so I you have to factor that in when I talk about some of these things. I'm a big fan of taking the best player available over need. I think there is a point where you have to say, well, the need outweighs the talent available at the at the particular spot that we're picking, but I don't think that in the Bengals case this is that was it. I just I thought that was kind of a reach for John Ross. Um Evan Ingram at 23 to the Giants. Uh and it's again, I did you I don't know if you necessarily had to reach that far. I didn't I don't think I didn't think Ingram was a first round kind of guy especially considering he's really just a pass catcher, stretch the field kind of dude. Not somebody that can block. He's not like a do-it-all tight end. So, 23 was kind of high. But 
That was really the only three that really stood out. I thought everyone else did a pretty good job of, you know, just taking who they felt like they needed. Um, But getting back to what I was talking about with the QBs, the Trubisky pick is so polarizing because I just, I don't like it for a lot of reasons. I don't, the main thing I don't like is, see, teams aren't patient enough most of the time to draft QBs that high. The fan bases aren't aren't patient. The organization isn't patient. Nobody gives a guy time to really develop. If you're a QB and you get drafted that high, you really only got two or three years before significant progress needs to be made or else you're gone. It's just not, it's just normally not worth it. The only time, unless the guy is a generational talent, you got Mike Vick, generational talent, lightning fast. Okay, I get it. Andrew Luck, best prospect uh, that apparently, best QB prospect apparently since John Elway that anybody had evaluated. So, okay, fine. I get it. Cam Newton, freak athlete. National champion. Okay, fine. My boy Jameis Winston, Bucks quarterback, national champion, first year as a starter. Okay, fine. I get it. But what happens when you get like these these mediocre dudes that haven't really done anything special on the college level and you draft them really, really high? It just, it normally doesn't turn out so great. And like I said, I'm not, you don't, a guy shouldn't have to be a superstar. I understand the can't miss QBs don't come along, but every once every so often. But like I said, you got to be more patient with some of these, these like little mediocre dudes. And, but in teams just aren't, they don't have that patience. They don't, you got to give some guys, you know, four or five years even it might take. Before a guy might be where you want him to be. But the patience just isn't there. And and I, I hate it from the player's standpoint too. Because if you're, if you're a quarterback. And you're taken in the top 10. Chances are that you're going to a team. That's obviously they're, they're not that good of a team. Because they're picking that high. So the team overall is not that good. Teams probably got a crappy offensive line. Just saying. If you, got a, if you got a good offensive line, chances are you're winning. You're winning football games. So you're gonna have Pete. You're gonna have guys in your, while you're still trying to figure out NFL defenses. You ain't gonna have but two two seconds tops to throw the ball because you got a crappy offensive line in front of you. So be prepared to end up on your back a lot. You're gonna have high turnover at the organization. Another position that nobody has patience for, probably worse than the QBs, is the coaches. So be prepared. So if you're a QB getting taken that high, you probably got to be prepared to play for two or three coaches or coordinators. It's just a bad situation. Remember Jamarcus Russell? Remember Jake Locker? David Carr? Blaine Gabbert? For every Andrew Luck and Cam Newton, there's like three or four of those guys floating around in every draft. So the chances that you end up with someone like that are pretty high. You can't even be like a mediocre QB. 
You can't even be a guy like Alex Smith. Alex Smith isn't that bad in a bad quarterback, but they ran him out of town in San Francisco. And he's doing okay in Kansas City, but look at what Kansas City did. Patrick Mahomes, number 10, traded up to get him. So I really, so for Trubisky, I really hope that he does well because it's, um, unfortunately, you went number two, you're being asked to save, to be the savior and face of a franchise. And that's just a lot of pressure to put on a guy. It just is. So I hope, hope he does well. But I, the, when you consider everything that the Bears gave up to get him and where they drafted him and the abundance of talent and more sure things that were on the board. Oh, and the fact that you're paying Mike Glennon. $45 million. So you're either going to end up with Mike Glennon starting or sitting on the bench making $15 million a year. And as a Tampa Bay fan, the team that Mike Glennon has been with his whole career up until this point, uh, good luck. I I like Glennon, but I'm just, I wasn't, I was never really completely sold on the guy. I just wasn't. And as a starting QB, I just don't think he can expect a whole lot. But we'll see. Overall, though, I was proud of the 49ers for sticking to their guns and not reaching. Solomon Thomas, great pick. Reuben Foster, steal in the first round. So I like that they didn't take the bait and give in to the pressure to draft a QB early. I think... Up, they were one of the. They were definitely one of the winners of the draft. Other than that, draft QBs early. We'll we'll see how it works out. I haven't seen this dude Mahomes play at all. I but I think he's in a great situation because in Kansas City he's not going to have to play right away, and I think that's always. See nowadays, QBs are getting thrown in, and being getting thrown in day one and getting no chance to just sit and come along slowly. And I think that's another reason why a lot of guys fail. So I think if Aaron Rodgers had been asked to start in green Bay from day one, he might not be the Aaron Rodgers that we see today. We don't know. And we never will. I'm just, I'm just saying, I think it's a lot to ask a guy to start in the NFL immediately. And I think Mahomes is being put in the situation is being put in a really good situation in Kansas City. So, who knows? He might end up being the best best QB here in a few years. We'll, we'll see. But I'm just going to go one by one through every division and just and just talk about a few things that I like, things that I didn't like. Uh just uh just some thoughts on each team. AFC East, the Pats I mean, they're the Pats. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. It's I could analyze it or say this was good or this was bad, but the reality is, and the Pats are probably the only team that you can say this. Pretty much every pick they make is a good pick because they've proven that they can win with pretty much anybody. So no need to get into too much there. So the Jets. I already talked about how much I like the Jamal Adams pick. Love it. Miami. Charles 
Charles Harris, and I wasn't crazy about it because Charles Harris is one of these, as they use, as they say in NFL terms, one of these situational pass pass rushers, as in not a guy that's going to be on the field, not a guy that's going to be on the field all the time. I just think a guy in a first round, a situation, a guy that's just going to be a situational guy in the first round. Uh, wasn't crazy about it. Wasn't crazy about that pick. Bills, Tredavious White, Zay Jones, those guys are going to play right away. I had no problem with either one of those, either one of those first two picks. So thumbs up there. Uh, moving on to the NFC North, the Cleveland Browns had a really good draft. I I really didn't I thought I thought they made a bunch of good moves. The the Cleveland Browns did what I had been saying for months they needed to do. Your team is terrible. So just load up on talent. And that's exactly what they did. Don't worry need just gets thrown out the window cuz the Cleveland Browns need everything. So they're in a very advantageous position from that standpoint to where they could just go with Guys that had talent. Miles Garrett, obviously number one. That's that's where they needed to go there. Jabril Peppers and David Njoku loved it. Loved it. Especially for Hugh Jackson now as a new as a newer coach. You're just taking over the Cleveland Browns. Didn't have a very good first showing last season. But I like the Browns just but you know, he doesn't have a lot to work with. So I like that the Browns are bringing in guys because now after a while if you stockpile enough talent you can look at the coach and say look we gave you studs and you're still not producing so then it is you but so we'll see but I think they took a step in the right direction they're still years away from competing but they added but they added picks for 2018 I've I think a turnaround is eminent. You got that many good guys. And also, it can't get much worse. But anyway, uh, Steelers, TJ Watt wasn't a bad pick. Was he the best outside linebacker available? Nah, that remains to be seen. So I'm not really sure what to think about that pick, but I love Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner. Like I said, just because, like I was saying earlier, uh, great story coming back from cancer. ACC Player of the Year, coming back from cancer. So I did like those. Ravens. Ravens had a no problem with any of their picks. You got an old, old man defense, and they got some much-needed youth. Between uh, Marlon Humphrey, Tyus Bowser, Tim Williams... So much needed, much needed youth on the defensive side of the ball. So I liked it. I think they definitely should have looked to get a wide receiver early, but all the good ones were off the board. So I got no problems with any of those picks. Cincinnati Bengals. Said so I already already talked about how I felt about the Ross pick. I think that's a very boomer bust type situation. Joe Mixon. I want to I want to lean towards I liking it more than not liking it. See, this is the thing I this is the thing about Joe Mixon and I'm going to be I'm going to try to be very careful with my word choice here. 
I hate how I hate the term off field issues. Yes, the guy punched the chick in the face. And he should not have done that. But I just hate how that one night, especially at his age, ends up defining his whole existence as a football player. I mean, how many, all of us did did stuff in college that we regret. But it doesn't stay with us all our careers. People don't even know about it. When you're when you're playing football, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be put out there. What I'm saying is I think it carries so much weight. When you say off-field issues, it's like the kid does it. It's not like he's going out every weekend and knocking chicks out. So, I I don't know. I, I think... I, I want to see the kid do well because I want to be proven right in the sense that I want to believe that what happened to you, a, a bad choice that you made one time, just doesn't define your career. That's all I'm saying. So I hope the kid does well, and I think it'll work out for him. AFC West, moving on. Chargers, sneaky good draft. Love Mike Williams. They got two stud guards. They followed that up. They followed up the Mike Williams pick with two stud offensive guards. Forrest Lamp, and um, I can't remember the other guy's name. But I really liked, really liked those. I'd be very happy if I was Phillip Rivers. I had no issues with any of the Broncos picks. Garrett Bowles, Demarcus Walker, Carlos Henderson. I liked all of them. I had no issues with any of the Broncos picks. None, like, just crazy great fits. But Kay came in, addressed positions of need, and kept it moving. So... I'm not going to complain about that one. Chiefs draft, unfortunately, when you trade up to draft a quarterback as high as it does, it's you know, that that pick is pretty much going to define what your draft class looks like. So, however Mahomes ends up doing is just how it ends up. Uh, Raiders, Gary and Conley, risky. Uh, because... He's and that's another one who's got an off-field situation that we that we need to address. Uh, since I don't know the details, I'm not going to really comment on it too much. Um, so all I can say is hope it works out. Uh, Obi Melifonwu, I really I really liked. Guy was a guy's a freak, but apparently uh, physically, but as far as but apparently the Raiders are wanting him to play some corner, and then they're going to try him out at safety. So apparently no one's really set on exactly what NFL position he's going to play. So sneaky, uh, or sneaky, risky picks there by the Raiders. Uh, but if they they work out, they're going to be that much better for it. And the Raiders are, are already a good team, so fortunately they're in a position where they can do that. Uh, AFC South, I thought Corey Davis to the Titans was a great fit. Five was a lot higher than I thought he would go, but it's a great fit. It was a position of need. I thought a Dory Jackson was kind of a reach, though. Jaguars, Leonard Fournette loved it. Absolutely loved it. I understand it wasn't necessarily their biggest need, 
but I think Fournette is another guy that could have an Ezekiel Elliott type season. Unfortunately, he just doesn't have the O line. Uh, but they but they drafted Robinson, Cam Robinson, right after that. So it's a, it's definitely a step in the right direction. Texans, like I said, I talked about how much I love the Deshaun Watson pick, um, but I also I also like Deontay Foreman there too. And if you listen to that guy's story about playing last season in college through the death of his son, I mean, it's, I think that just speaks a lot to his character and what kind of guy that he is. And I'm really just rooting for that dude. Um, the Colts. They got. They ended up with Malik Hooker, who I thought was kind of stood a chance of falling to the Buccaneers, and I really would have wanted us to take him if he had fallen, but I honestly didn't expect it to happen. So, in other words, great pick by the Colts. Uh, now, the one thing I didn't like is I didn't see them really address the offensive line, and which Andrew Luck is. Andrew Luck is aging probably twice as fast as a normal human being with how often he's getting hit and how often he's getting injured. So I would have liked to have seen them move to make moves to protect him a little bit more. I mean, that guy's the franchise. You got to protect your investment. And they only took one offensive lineman. I'm not sure about that. NFC East overall had a great draft. Cowboys loaded up on defense and they took my boy Ryan Switzer out of out of North UNC shout out to the Tar Heels there two of my favorite picks in the entire draft were from this division as well Jonathan Allen and then Sidney Jones to the Eagles I thought Jonathan Allen pick to Washington was like I said that was one of my favorites Sidney Jones like I said talked about that one and then, of course, you also have to factor in... Who am I forgetting? Cowboys, Redskins, the Giants. Um, hmm. I said I didn't really like the Ingram pick. But, uh, you know, I kind of already... So I did kind of already touch on that one. But wasn't really didn't really know too much about the other guys that they drafted either. So I guess that just remains to be seen. And maybe they'll prove me wrong. NFC North... Talked about the Trubisky situation with the Bears. Dalvin Cook, I talked about. Love that move by the Vikings. Green Bay had a sneaky good draft as well. Kevin King, Josh Jones, looking like guys I would start right away. So you gotta you gotta give them credit for that. And I'm gonna reach all the way back to the seventh round. Malachi Dupre. Guys a stud physically. LSU didn't really use him and if anybody can if anybody can make a dude look good like that like Dupree it's Aaron Rodgers so I personally think that was a late late sneaky good pick um Detroit Tease Tabor that was an interesting one Tease Tabor is interesting I mean everything I read about the guy and everything I saw on tape a guy can play. A guy can play football, but it's that that dang on forty time. The same reason why John Ross became a top ten pick, I think, is the same reason why Tabor fell out of the first round. 
the same way that 40 time can bless you or it'll kill you when it, and it comes to the draft. So, I'm not sure about that one. That'll be an interesting one to watch. I thought the Seahawks moving to the NFC West. Malik McDowell, second round. Sneaky, sneaky good pick. From what I heard, guys, a crappy work ethic, but players like that going to a team with a great culture, which the Seahawks have, a lot of times will turn out very well. Uh, Arizona drafted Buda Baker, second round, which I liked a lot. I was really hoping he would fall to... That was another safety I was really hoping would fall to the Buccaneers as well. We just, unfortunately, it was too late. Rams, terrible draft. I didn't even know who any of them guys were that they picked up. And they drafted no O-linemen. Again, you drafted Jared Goff, number one. That's the franchise. He didn't have a whole lot of protection to work with last year. You got to protect your investment. Got to protect your investment. So, I did not like their draft at all. But we'll see. Maybe maybe somebody proves me wrong on that one. But I did not like that draft at all. The 49ers I talked about, loved it. Proud of them for just going after talent, kind of like the Browns did. I think they're on the come up. And last but not least, the division I paid a lot of attention to, the NFC South. I think the entire division got significantly better after this draft. Panthers took Christian McCaffrey number eight, and which I the more and more I I think about that, the more and more I like that pick because the Panthers clearly were devoid of playmakers in the backfield, and McCaffrey eight is very high to take a running back. But the thing with McCaffrey, and I think Mel Kuyper brought this up as a good point, the thing with McCaffrey is he's more than just a running back. He can catch, he can return kicks. So it's I just don't see a situation to where he doesn't contribute significantly to the Panthers in some way. So I think every Sunday that guy is going to be someone that you have to deal with. So, I personally, I really, really like the pick. And I think McCaffrey and then the pick later. Now, the one that confused me was Curtis Samuel. Uh, because he seemed like kind of like the same type player as McCaffrey. It seemed like a redundant pick. Um, I mean, Samuel's got game-breaking speed. I think what we're seeing is a change in offensive philosophy for the Panthers. I'm not sure where they're going with this. Um so I guess we'll just I guess we'll just have to see, but they addressed their O-line. They got some playmakers on offense. They're definitely trying to return to that explosive 2015 offense that we saw and I can't fault them for it. The Falcons got there, addressed their need with the pass rush. I really like the McKinley pick, and I also like Duke Riley. LSU defenders in general, I think, are just a good idea. I think they've got a pretty good track record in the NFL, and I think Riley is a fit for the kind of offense, or excuse me, the kind of defense that the Falcons are trying to play. Just scary fast. 
And I mean, I look at this guy, Jakaris McKinley. I look at Vic Beasley coming back as the sack leader from last year. I look at Dontari Poe signing in the offseason. Falcons all of a sudden have a scary good D-line. Potentially. And they're picking up the pieces. They're adding little pieces here and there on defense. So, they could very well win the division again. And they, they're looking like they're going to be very tough to catch up to. Saints, like I said, Lattimore, best corner in the draft. I understand the injury concerns might have been why he slipped. But I thought the Saints definitely addressed the need. Definitely got an impact player, potentially. And at least over the last few years, they've always had a really, really weak secondary. So I thought that was a great pick. But Alvin Kamara, and I think the third or the fourth, I can't remember which one, that pick didn't really make sense. You already have Peterson. You, you got Adrian Peterson in free agency. You got Mark Ingram already. I would think those two... And you're already a pass-heavy team. With Drew Brees, you're throwing it 30, 40 times a game. So, I was kind of confused by that one. That pick didn't really make any sense. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. And then, last but not least, my Buccaneers had, in my opinion, as good a draft as anybody, period. I absolutely thought we nailed it this year. O.J. Howard... I got to start with that. I got to start with OJ Howard at 19. I was ecstatic when when that pick happened. OJ Howard might be my favorite draft pick ever outside of Jameis Winston. I thought it was an absolute steal. Guy can run block which we saw at Alabama. Big target, runs a 4 5 what does he run a 4 5 1 at 6 6 280 pounds. That guy is going to be a problem. Chris Godwin, I love that pick as well. Kendall Beckwith, fourth round out of LSU, loved it. Now apparently he's injured, but not so much so that he won't be back and that he won't be back for the start of the season. So I really did enjoy that pick as well. I mean, I'm looking at this potential Tampa Bay offense now. Winston's going to drop back and have Mike Evans on one side, Deshaun Jackson on the other. We got either we got Godwin 6-1 running a 4-4-1 in the slot and OJ Howard up the middle. I like it. Come on now. Come on now. It's I I'm not trying to be fanboyish right now, but we're going to have scary good O. We can have potentially scary good offense. I thought we made I I really can't find fault in too many of what the of where the Bucks went. Second round, this dude Evans out of AM didn't really hear much about him. I hadn't done any research I'll admit I hadn't done any research on the guy. Um but from what I've seen on the highlight tapes, Duke can Duke can hit. And I know we did need a safety. So I'm not necessarily against it. I just would have preferred either Josh Jones out of NC State or Melifonwu that I talked about earlier from UConn. But 
we'll see. I hope I hope the guy proves me wrong. That was really the only pick that I was just kind of like, huh? And then this guy McNichols out of at running back out of Boise State. Love to see us address that position. And the last time we drafted a running back out of Boise State, Doug Martin didn't turn out too bad. I like it. I really, really liked our draft. And it's just fun to watch. It's exciting. It's refreshing. Overall, I really, really would like to hear everyone else's thoughts on these two. If there's anybody I'm forgetting about, if there's any big picks that I might have missed, or if I'm just reaching when I talk about the ones that I didn't like. I definitely can't wait to discuss this with all you guys once we get the post up on the Facebook page. And I'm definitely looking forward to this NFL season. Draft day did not disappoint whatsoever. And now that that's out of the way, as as always, it's time to get to the L of the week. Oh boy, this is going to be a good one. The L of the week, it was crazy. I was I honestly went into Thursday night ready to ready to go ahead and hand the L of the week to the Bears for the Trubisky pick. And then this happened. LeVar Ball, as most, as many of you guys that follow sports know, LeVar Ball is the, um, oh man, what's the best way to put it? I guess you can say controversial father of UCLA point guard, freshman point guard Lonzo Ball, uh, who is going to be more than likely projected as they say, more than likely going to be a top five pick in this year's draft. LeVar Ball is the exuberant, controversial father of Lonzo and two and his two other sons that are also that also play basketball. For those of you that do not know, LeVar Ball is all over the news for the extravagant, outlandish things that he says in regards to how he in regards to his in regards to his kids i think he first got on the news when he said that his son was better than steph curry his son lonzo at ucla was better than steph curry then he said he could beat michael jordan one on one and then now pretty much everything this dude does ends up being newsworthy now the latest news which came out late last week is that nike under Armour and Adidas, the big three major shoe companies, are not interested in a deal with his in signing his son Lonzo Ball to a shoe deal directly because of him. I'll read the excerpt from ESPN. An endorsement deal with Nike, Under Armour, or Adidas is not in the cards for Lonzo Ball. Ball's father, Lavar, confirmed that the three shoe and apparel companies informed him that they were not interested in completing a deal with his son. Sources with the three companies told ESPN.com that they were indeed moving on. Never in the history of modern-day shoe endorsements have the big companies all stepped away from a potential top pick nearly two months before the NBA draft. But LeVar, who has been representing Lonzo in the deal, has offered something that has no precedent. In his meetings with all three companies... LeVar insisted that they license his upstart big baller brand from him, according to the companies. He also showed the companies a shoe prototype 
that he hoped would be Lonzo's first shoe. We've said from the beginning, we aren't looking for an endorsement deal, LeVar told ESPN. We're looking for co-branding, a true partner, but they're not ready for that because they're not used to that model. But hey, the taxi industry wasn't ready for Uber either. Just imagine how rich Tiger Woods, Kobe Bryant, Serena Williams, Michael Jordan, and LeBron James would have been if they dared to do their own thing, LeVar said. No one owned their own brand before they turned pro. We do, and I have three sons, so it's that much more valuable. (sighs) You know what, let me just stop right there. There's more to that article, and I'm just... I'm, I'm done with this. Okay, I... LeVar Ball, you were getting the L of the week this week, and I have been waiting to hand you an L for quite some time now, but I was really waiting on the proper time in which to do it, and I think now is that time. Y'all have to understand, I said this dude was a problem months ago when he made that stupid Steph Curry comment. Your son is better than the reigning two-time MVP already right away I was like no no this dude's a problem and then all the other stuff happened and I remember saying back then and anticipating and feeling like exactly what just happened was going to happen which is it has gotten to the point where your son is losing money and it's your fault And we're not talking about a couple hundred or a few thousand. We're talking millions of dollars he is not able to take advantage of because you want to come in and do a whole bunch of extra stuff. Here's the thing. This big baller brand thing that you're trying to push, let let me, first of all, let me clear this up. I am not, I'm all for being an entrepreneur and entrepreneurs and, you know, trying to, trying to build your own thing. I get all of that. Here's the problem. Michael Jordan has Jordan brand. Jordan brand was not a thing until Michael Jordan had already had already built his career and built his name. LeVar Ball is trying to me, LeVar Ball is trying to skip that process. You don't get to skip the process, dude. You want them to to fund this vision and just believe that your son is going to do well. Not prove it. They should just go ahead and hand you a bunch of money because you say that he's because you say that he's good. As if we can't go back and look at your son scoring ten points and getting hit for thirty nine by De'Aaron Fox in the NCAA tournament Sweet Sixteen. You want people to invest in an unproven talent. And that's not how it works. This whole big baller brand thing only works out if if your son, Lonzo, turns into a star. But he has to go out there and prove it. You can... I understand the... The whole comment about Jordan and LeBron and all these other guys not signing, here's what you're missing. If you sign with Nike now, that doesn't mean you won't be able to do the whole your whole co-branding deal down the road. Once you've once you've gone out and shown it and proven it, 
you can come back and revisit it and say, hey, so what's up with this big ball if brand deal? You have no leverage. It's like what happened with Oprah Winfrey. When Oprah Winfrey was building up her show, she figured out she was making all the she was making the majority of the network their money and said, if y'all want to keep me, you're gonna. Have, I want I want a co ownership. I want part ownership. I want more decision making. Same thing with Michael Jordan. You would have no choice. You literally have no choice because the company's making so much money off of you. They're for it forces their hand because they know if you roll, if and you sign with somebody else, all that money that they've made off you goes away. But you don't have that leverage. You don't have that leverage at all. There's a process to it, and you're trying to come across as this pioneer with all this this great stuff. And the truth is, you're just, to me, it's selfish. Because I think you're trying to, it's you're making it about you. This isn't about what's best for your kids. There's no way you can tell me that having Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour all come together collectively and say, we are not doing business with you, is the best move, or and by extension, your son. You cannot tell me that that is the best situation for your kids to be in. And don't think NBA teams aren't looking at that. Don't think NBA teams are looking at, oh, well, these shoe companies don't want to deal with this guy. I don't know if we want to either. And I respect the fact that he's involved and he loves his kids and he wants to do well and he wants them to do well and he wants to get involved and make sure that they're getting their just due. But... Like, I see people saying that every time stuff like this happens, somebody, it seems like there's always somebody there to go, well, you know, he's a good father, so, you know, we should just leave it at that. Here's the thing. Loving your children and being there for them and all of that other stuff, that's what you're supposed to do as a father. That's supposed to come with it. You don't get a pass for that. You don't get praise for that. Not to the point where we can't critique you when you do stuff wrong. That's what get that's what gets me. We can't I can't sit here and say that because Le, because LeVar Ball is a father just just on the merit of him being a father that believes in his kids. I'm just supposed to sit back and not say anything when I see him Costing actively costing his children millions of dollars, and if this whole thing with Lonzo doesn't work, and you got these other two sons that you're saying are going to be part of this whole big baller brand, and they're going to go one and done. Listen, if 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 this whole thing doesn't work out with Lonzo, which it looks like it's not, no one's even going to take a second look at your other two kids. So you got to make this one work. To me, it's just. It's it's really just a problem, and it's not cute anymore. Because before it was just him getting on TV saying crazy stuff, and you just sat back and just laughed at him and been like, "Oh, this dude's a clown." Now it's not funny. I'm not laughing when I read an article seeing that Lonzo Ball is not going to get a shoe deal now because his father wants to come in and do all this extra stuff. It's not funny to me anymore. 
and somebody needs to do something. But it's like, what do you do? I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not blaming Lonzo or any of his or any of the kids because, I mean, what? Is, I mean, that's your that's your father. What are you gonna say? I mean, it'd be easier said than done. So I, I would think, I would think in this situation. I just hope the dude just realizes he needs to step step down, back off, and not nothing wrong with what you're trying to what you're ultimately trying to do, but you're going about it all the wrong way. To me, you just don't understand business. This is a clear sign that you just don't understand how business works. No one's just going to hand you a whole bunch of money before they know what they're buying. And he should be smart enough to know that, and he doesn't seem like he is, and that's why you get the L of the week, LeVar Ball. I just, I'm, I'm just done. I, I'm just done with this dude. I really am. So we'll see. Somebody, somebody's, but the good thing is somebody's gonna be there to take it from you next week. Uh, and other than that, though, that's pretty much all I got for this week. As always, I appreciate everybody listening. Mind of Mike J podcast, new episodes every Monday. Again, let me know your thoughts on the NFL draft. We'll be here all week, and I will see you guys next Monday.